Well, you're back. This is part two of chapter two of the book of Revelation. So uh, I'm glad that you've hung in there. Uh, there'll be another one of these posted real soon, the next day or so. That'll bring us right up uh, until really getting to some of the juicy bits in chapters four, five, six, and seven that launch us into the rest of the book. So I'm glad you're with me on the journey. Let's get started. We are um, looking at the introductory messages to the seven churches in Asia. We did Ephesus last week. We're going to do another port city this time. That's Smyrna. Uh, Smyrna was a beautiful place. It was, it was famous for two things, its beauty and its devotion to the emperor. Back in that time, um, cities used to compete for how devoted they were to the emperor. You know, they all wanted to run around with big foam fingers on yelling number one, number one, that were the biggest fans. These are the fans that would be you know, shirtless and painted their bodies in the team colors if they were following an NFL team rather than the emperor. Now, I don't really know where someone really ranked on the most obsequious and sad uh, challenge of, uh, of who is best for the emperor. But they tried, and they did a good enough job to be a problem for the Christians. The trade guilds ran Smyrna, and we really have to remind ourselves of what a trade guild was. Especially if you're American, Western European, it's very difficult to understand that even today in many places in the world, the family into which you were born, the class into which you were born, is your class forever. And there's not a thing you can do about it. If your family are poor laborers, that's what you're going to be. Trade guilds were a way to protect the income of those who were skilled in any particular area. So somebody who's a stonemason would not be able to have a job unless they were in the trade guild. Very much like a union, but supersized, superpower. If you couldn't get in, you were doomed to be an itinerant traveler, a seller of small goods, or a, a worse than common laborer. You'd get the worst jobs. Trade guilds ran Smyrna. And at all the public meetings, there it would be considered absolutely necessary to reach over and get a pinch of incense, drop it into the fire, and say, Caesar is Lord. Think of, if you've seen the old movies, uh, Germans walking around saying Heil Hitler because they knew if they didn't that Hitler would get them. Or in a more modern sense, um, perhaps North Koreans that are required to bow down and to declare that their leader is God and perfect in all ways. That's like living in North Korea. That would be living in Smyrna. But they considered it a paradise because they were actually all in for this. They loved the emperor. Don't rush past these facts as we look at verses 8 through 11, Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, but you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. I'll stop right there. 
10. Are they going to be in prison for 10 days? No. 10 means you're going to be persecuted until it's done. It's an open-ended. 10 just means it's, it's never going to be slowed down or stopped. You're going to get the whole offering, the whole helping of persecution. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Uh, let's not rush past this now. It, it's all right for you to think, well, if I was in Sparta, I would refuse to say Caesar is Lord. Okay, um, I believe you. But to say that is also dooming your children to a life of servitude, slavery, perhaps. Think of the Dalits, the lowest caste in India. Uh, there was a, an amazing movie in 1992 called City of Joy. And I don't know if it's on any of the streaming services or not, but very much worth watching. A Dalit, the untouchables, are not allowed to, to walk in a common area or to be around anyone who's not untouchable. They are the lowest. They're not even human beings in their culture. And by the way, India did, before anybody writes in, India did outlaw the caste system several times. It has never taken, and the people still look upon each other as caste. What caste were you born into? So a small Dalit or untouchable child knows that their life may be, I'm not making this up, spending their time in sewers using their hands because they have no tools or money to buy them and pulling the waste out to unplug those sewage pipes. That's, um, that's fairly terrifying. And if all it takes is a little incense, little Caesars, Lord, but you don't mean it inside and your kids can rock it, that'd be very tempting. So you don't have to listen to your children cry in their beds at night if they even have a bed. This is serious stuff. This, these are real people, and they're going through real problems. And it's not a Bible lesson that you can just you know, do 30 minutes of and ta-da. And that's the faithful person. This is brutal. Absolutely, mind-numbingly brutal. And the persecution of Christians here would last for 10 days. In other words, the whole lot. In fact, 60 years later, in about 156 A.D., a great early Christian leader known as Polycarp was killed in Smyrna because he refused to deny Jesus and say Caesar is Lord. Sixty years, give or take, after this book was written, it was still going on. Polycarp famously said, 80 and six years have I served Christ and he has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? And they killed him for it. All I had to do was say some words. We live in such ease and comfort. Sometimes it is really hard for us to understand the pain these early Christians went through. And for us, when the, they change the time in the fall or the spring, we're going, ah, oh, makes going to church so much. Really? Really? May I introduce you to some Smyrnans off here to the side? Smyrna was hanging tough. Uh, they had learned the lessons of Ecclesiastes and Job. They knew that God was not going to take their storm away. I want to really 
really emphasize this. God has never promised to take our storm away. What he has promised is that he will walk with us through the storm and that the storm will eventually end, but it may not end happily. It may end with our death. And let me, can I just say something there? Um, as soon as somebody dies, very often we rush to say, well, they're in a better place. Now they're not suffering anymore. Well, God needed another angel. Don't say that one. That is horrible. Like God needs another angel. Couldn't really find one that he liked. So he killed your dad. It's awful. Don't, don't do that. And also just don't rush people past their pain to say, listen, it'll all be right. There'll be smiles again. You're going to be okay. And you know, they're in a better place and we have faith in God and your faith will carry you through. Stop it. Sit with the people in pain. Let them feel their pain. Hear their pain. Hear their cries. If you have stories of pain to share, do so. If you have stories of victory over pain, don't. Not until you're invited. The Smyrnans were being told, you will be faithful unto death. And on the other side, I will give you the crown of life, the victor's crown. It's, um, it is terrifying. Uh, a phrase here that we've, um, in Revelation, you're going to see more than once. Those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. What in the world is all of this? That's got a whole lot of history behind it. But really in brief, this was the problem. To have a church, a synagogue, a congregation, the word synagogue means congregation. To have a, a religious gathering, you had to be an approved religion by Rome. Rome didn't care who you worshiped, as long as you also worshiped the Roman gods, in particular, the emperor. They didn't really care. And they would validate and say, you are an official religion. Well, the Jews and the Christians were so interwoven those first couple hundred years that the Romans looked upon Christians as just another kind of Jew. But when the Christians are saying Jesus is Lord, and that causes problems, and, and the Roman authorities are starting to go, what, what, what is going on here? The Jews did say, hey, that's not us. We're not them, we're Jewish. They believe a prophet that we don't believe. And that, that divorce took a while. And when the divorce finally took place, I think it's fair to say that the Jews were pretty rough on the Christians at first, and then the Christians were horribly awful, satanic toward the Jews for a very long time. And sadly, even in our own politics, there are those that are anti-Jew. Now, it's not the same as anti-Israel. You can have politics that allow you to either support Israel or not support Israel. We're talking about Semitism or anti-Semitism. Is it the Jews that cause you a problem? If so, you've got a problem, but it's not the Jews. It's prejudice. So don't read prejudice back into this. What does it mean a synagogue of Satan? This is a church causing pain, lies, and heresy. To this very date, in most states, when you are charged, if you look at the official court documents, it, you're being charged with disturbing the peace of the people of, for example, where I live, Tennessee. It is at disturbing the peace. And in Rome, it, they didn't care if you're innocent, good, wonderful, or whatever. They didn't care. 
uh, that's bothering the peace of Rome, the Pax Romana, we'll kill you. Just get it. We'll kill your kids. Doesn't matter to us. There was no value to human life. It was um, a very horrible time in which to live. So any division that brought Rome in was dangerous. And to be honest, to give the Jews the credit, they were trying to protect their own community. Sometimes, as Jesus said, when Jesus comes, it brings a sword and it cuts families apart. And this was now happening in Smyrna. Then Pergamum. Pergamum. you got to love saying Pergamum. Um, very few songs written about Pergamum, but it was a very large city. Uh, about 180,000 people uh, dominated by a massive hill full of temples, three of which were to the emperor. Ah, they're trying to get in good with him. But there were other um, temples there that were, you know, Augustus, the Caesar who levied the tax that drove Joseph and Mary into Bethlehem to register, um, Dionysius, Athena, Asclepius. Asclepius, um, you may not know the name, but you probably know the symbol. Uh, the stake with snakes waving up, that was the symbol uh, of Asclepius, who was the god of healing. And doctors wear that today. They're not doing anything pagan or demonic, just back off. It's just what it is. And um, there were temples to Demeter, or Demeter, as some would call him. There was also the second largest library in the world. This is kind of important. They thought they were very knowledgeable, had over 200,000 books in a time where most people would live their entire life without ever seeing a single book. That's pretty important. That's pretty impressive. They were the second largest because Ptolemy, the emperor over Egypt and Alexandria, had, uh, had the biggest library and he wanted to keep it that way. He even banned papyrus from being shipped out so that the people in Pergamum couldn't make more books. So the people in Pergamum learned how to make paper or a writing surface out of vellum, uh, finely skinned animal skins. I don't know why you need to know that, but now you do. All right, um, Revelation chapter 2, verses, um, uh, let's see, 17 and forward, I think is where, no, 12, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, 12 is where I want to go. To the angel of the church in Pergamum write, these are the, uh, the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. Ah, Pergamum was known for making swords. There were swords everywhere. And not just swords. There were pictures and etchings of swords. And there were art things of swords. And tourists would come to look at the swords. So God here is saying, hey, you want a sword, buddy? I've got a sword. I know where you live. Where Satan has his throne. Yikes. Yet you remain true to my name. Whew, that's good. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Well, that's twice he said where Satan lives, so that's probably pretty important. People were being killed in Pergamum. This is um, Antipas here is one of those martyrs. Martyr is actually a foreign word and we brought it in without translating it, and it's become to mean what it means to us, and that's somebody who dies for their faith. But the word doesn't mean somebody who dies for their faith. It means witness. Can you live faithful to death even if they're aiming at you with rocks, swords, or rope? Yeah, Antipas did. He's a witness 
that you can be faithful unto death. Never bow on your knee. That's pretty impressive. That's amazing to me. Uh, but there's a problem. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Never a good thing when you're reading a letter from God. And he goes, eh, I got a couple things I want to bring up. There are some among you who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, oh, there's more. You also have those who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore. Repent of this. Otherwise, I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword, Pergamum, Pergamum, of my mouth. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Okay. What's that all about? <coughs> well, the what is Balaam? Balaam pushed for um, compromise. You would compromise. You would... You do a little idolatry. You you do a little eating of the food sacrificed to idols, and you would generally you had to you know swear a thing or and giving money into the temple so that you could have them the the cheaper meat. Yeah, again, having standards sometimes makes you hungry and poor, and that's just really sad. But it's true, so we deal with reality here. And he says, don't do it. Don't compromise. And once again, the Nicolaitans, which we said yes, uh, the last segment, we really aren't positive, but it seems to be antinomianism, living as if there were no law. And since he's mentioned two groups here, by the way, Balaam and the Nicolaitans, there seem to be two different groups that believe they are free to commit sins, but they have chosen different sins to commit. You always find this. We want God to judge other people for their sins, for what they do, but to judge us by our intentions, fully knowing our backstory and understanding that we have an explanation. So we want to do these sins, but we don't want to do those sins. You know, we, um, gluttony, we're cool with that. We're cool. We're said, that's fine. Um, homosexuality, ooh, boo. Or you might say homosexuality, yay. But, you know, feeling like you got to, you know, give of your means to, to a church to help, ooh, don't like that. We all pick and choose, like we're going through a cafeteria line. So be very careful before you judge someone else. In fact, don't. But also, don't act as if God hadn't said something and live according to what he says. Well, the double-edged sword, um, that's the sword of his mouth. He's not giving Christians a warrant here to go grab some swords and whoop up on the sinners. Uh, no, no. He's the word of the Lord is sharper than any two-edged sword. God has the final say. That gives me some comfort. Breaks my heart though when I see injustice that I can't fix. Uh, any that I can, I'm to speak into and I'm to fight and I'm to work. But you know, I, I will read of something happening in Sudan or in Nigeria that I have zero power to affect other than prayer. And they're praying too. So it's not like it's my prayer will work, but theirs won't. You know, we, we all pray. And I don't know why God does what he does and why God doesn't do what he doesn't do. 
but we need to remember in the midst of our storm and pain, God has the final say. And that's something which Pergamum would disagree with because Pergamum was one of the few Roman cities given the right of capital punishment and they used a sword. It's kind of like that old Crocodile Dundee movie, movie you know, you, you call that a knife, here's a knife. That's exactly what Christ is doing here, saying they think they've got a sword. I've got the sword. Should get a little chills there. The next, Thyatira. Oh, I'd love to live in a city with a name like Thyatira. I don't want to live in Thyatira, mind you, as you'll find out. But I mean, that's just a fun name, isn't it? There's got to be songs written about that. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. That's very close. That is very close to Daniel again. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. All right, Th there are going to be some issues in Thyatira. But let's take some time out here and just say, wow, way to go. Because the persecution is starting to roll into there as well. And instead of backing off their faith, they're living it more. That's one of my little things I say to people all the time. When the world gets darker, shine brighter. And yeah, does that attract incoming fire? Yeah, it does. Shine brighter anyway. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. Won't be her real name. This is a referral back to the Jezebel in the Old Testament, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. That seems to be a combination of the Nicolaitans and, and Balaam. So, double bad. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed, get it, immorality, cast on the bed, but a bed of suffering. And I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. I want to go on the record here. Um, I do not want to be treated in accordance with my deeds. I want to be treated in accordance with Jesus's deeds. But you don't just get that by wishing. There are going to be some things you're going to need to do, and there are going to be some other things you're going to need to not do. We are not saved by understanding and obeying exactly what the do and don't do list is. That's why there's so, so much grace, and I'm so glad for it. But we should not act like, well, God's got us covered with grace, so we can do what we jolly well want to. No, that's not safe. It is not safe. Now, what about, you know, I'll kill their children and the like, I'll strike their children dead. This could even be sexually transmitted diseases. This could be all kinds of things. We don't really know. What we do know is that there was a woman there. It doesn't seem to be a group of, of women or a mixed group of people. It seems to be one woman who acted like she was a prophet. And um, and, and don't say prophetess, by the way. We, we've, we've really moved past this. Um, we don't need to make up new words to say, well, that's a woman version. No, prophet. 
but she was doing something by claiming she knew deep secrets. Let me just give you a hint about this. If you want to find a secret in the Bible, you will, because you're looking for it. You ready for a little trip down science lane? Here we go, I'll make it painless. Over the shoulder, many of you have seen a Christmas tree. There are a couple of things to take note here. It is fairly early in November, but I'm married to Miss Cammie. She is done with 2020. She wants to show 2020 who's boss, and she is declaring Christmas. I know some of you out there are saying, oh, don't do that before Thanksgiving, that's horrible. You know, if you like turkey more than the baby Jesus, that's your problem. Um, I really think if you like that, do that. If you like this, do that. Never mind, that's not the point. Here's Science Lane. You recognize that that was a Christmas tree. How in the world did you recognize? You've not seen that tree before. You've not seen that pattern of lights before. You've not seen it in that position before, but the reason you're able to tell it is because of a skill we have in our brain called generalization. You look at this and you may have never seen a shirt like this, but you know it's a shirt and you know these are glasses and you know those are books and that there are guitars against the chairs there. Because you've seen things and you can see patterns, you learn to generalize and go, that's a dog, that's a boy, that's a building. Very cool. And by the way, whenever you start being able to do that, it is cool. That's why kids will be in the back seat and go, cow, truck. They're so excited. They've seen something which now makes sense. Well, problem is we try to force things to make sense. Um, you will hear things like, oh, famous people die in threes. Sure, if you count them that way, you'll find a pattern. But you'll have a big argument down the shop, down the stores, um, arguing where to start and finish and what group of three this person was in. You're looking for a pattern, so you found it. I was in Florida recently and I was asked by somebody, um, is it true what sailors say that every seventh wave is bigger? And my response was, absolutely. If you count it that way, what you'll do, however, is you will rationalize and do everything you can to find that pattern. And so if one's off, you're gonna think, oh, I must have missed a wave. You know that little one? I wasn't counting his wave, that was probably a wave. Or when it's too long, too distant between, and you'll be going, I shouldn't have counted. That wasn't really a, that was kind of a rise, but it wasn't really a wave. You look in the Bible, you can find patterns. And then you can say, I found a secret. No, you haven't. God doesn't write secret code books. Yeah, the Bible can be tough. It can be very tough to understand, but it doesn't need a code breaker to do it. So be careful. The promise to them is that they'll have authority over nations. This is amazing. To the one who's victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations, that one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I've received authority from my father. Wow. I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Can I, can I ask you to do something? A learned skill, it is. When you don't know what something means, just don't know it. Sometimes you can look it up. The fact is, we don't know what it means that you're going to rule over nations. We don't know what it means 
that you're going to be given that one, the morning star. Now, I've, I've read all kinds of theories. And I'm sorry, the automatic light thing here. Every time I move, it, it gets, you know, my halo increases. Um, it's just so much a God thing going on, right? It's brand new. We just found a pattern. What we know is that Jesus calls himself the morning star later in this book. And that the name Lucifer appears in this book. And Lucifer literally means the burning one or morning star. We even named the planet that we see first, right? Coming out of the darkness, Venus, the morning star. And for a long time, we thought it was the, the hottest star. And then somebody found Mercury and just ruined the whole story. Thyatira did have a temple to Venus, and it was a pretty popular cult. But we don't, we're reading somebody else's mail, and every now and then there's going to be an allusion to something we don't know. I've, I've been around, um, I've had several friends that were twins. And whenever they get together, sometimes whenever they're talking, one of them, other one will start laughing. And the rest of us are going, we're not in on it. It's not like they're hiding it. It's just that they have a shared story that we don't have. Something was going on in Thyra Tyra. They were given some promises. We understand some of them. We don't the others. Don't worry. Don't go, oh, maybe this is important. No, because there were promises to Thyra Tyra, not promises to you. Always remember, who was this written to? Well, it seems that Satan has always wanted Jesus's title, that morning star thing or whatever. You can go to Ezekiel and Isaiah and read this. And to this very day, we need to be very careful that we do not confuse Satan with Christ. And you might say, well, please, how can we do that? That's, the Bible says it's actually pretty easy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verses oh, 13 and forward. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder. You see, you and I would be wondering, really? You go, no wonder. Well, why doesn't that surprise you, Paul? For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Once again, they're going to get the penalty of their actions. You and I do not want to be judged by our actions. Um, I'll do one more passage. And I, I notice that we're right up over 30 minutes now and apologize. I do try to keep these a bit shorter. Um, and, and, and you can go away. <laughs> you can just say, ah, done with that. First John, uh, and then we'll do, we'll be done. First John uh, chapter four, first five verses. Um, first three verses, cut it down. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit to test the spirits, to see whether they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. That's the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming. And even now is already in the world. I've had people, many people say, well, What's the end? Who's, who's the Antichrist? A lot of things are the Antichrist. In brief, Tyra, Tyra, Pergamum, Sardis, and backing up to Ephesus. Guys, 
look like Jesus, act like Jesus. That acknowledges that Jesus has come into the world. Yes, you believe in Jesus. So what? What does it do? Where's the change? Where's the, where's the life that shows people that person believes in Jesus? We have more churches to look at, but that's next time. Thank you for hanging in so long. Please subscribe. Tell others to subscribe. Um, if you're watching this pretty much as it is done, we have a big announcement that's coming in the second, third week of November. So watch for that. Cheerio. Well, it's morning where I am, so good morning. In fact, I'm heading out to speak at Centerville, Tennessee later on in just about 40 minutes. So you know this one's not going to go too long. This is Revelation uh, chapter 3, and only two churches are mentioned in chapter 3. And then we leave the easier part of the book and get into some really exciting stuff. In Revelation 3, verses 1 through 6, to the angel of the church of Sardis, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Seven doesn't mean seven. Remember this. In our Western culture, it absolutely does. In the sciences, it absolutely does. But in Jewish and general literature of that age, seven, all of them. He holds all of the spirits. He holds all of the stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen